Hey everybody, and welcome to week six of Stat Chasing. Um, another interesting week in the NFL to break down with a lot of injuries this week. I feel like the past couple weeks, the injuries have really been piling up, so a lot of interesting situations to monitor, uh, particularly at running back, I believe, this week. Uh, Drico, how did your week six or week yeah, five? We go? don't talk about week six here. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough for me. I had a lot of T. Higgins teams that got goose egged, and yeah, overall, overall, yeah. My, uh, my redacted is great, but my uh, my DFS on the underdog was not. Yeah, I didn't uh, break, but it was pretty close. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a similar, similar results for me. So let's, yeah, nothing exciting to talk about with with our teams. So why don't we just dive, dive into the the stats here, starting starting with quarterback. And apologies to the Discord. I know uh, there was some bad bad communication about <laughs> when we were going live. So we'll we'll get that fixed in the coming weeks. Uh, anyways. Starting starting with quarterback here. Um, for those who have who have joined us before before, we're looking at the same stats as always here at quarterback. We have TD rate here on the y-axis and then adjusted yards per attempt on the x-axis, which is again yards per attempt, but adjusted for interceptions and touchdowns. And then the size of the bubbles here is rushing rushing yards uh for quarterbacks. So yeah, I think this is an interesting comment uh, from from CJ that maybe we can kick off this discussion. Uh, looking like late round quarterback is dead. Draco, the way I've actually seen uh, quarterback, the quarterback landscape this year for fantasy football is that the very early quarterbacks have hit, aka Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Mahomes, Josh Allen. But then those mid range, like the sort of low end QB ones, have been almost entirely disasters uh russ wilson aaron Rodgers, tom brady uh a lot of those guys you're getting in sort of the 80 to 120 adp range have completely flopped so yeah i, I don't know do you what are your overall thoughts on on quarterback this year do you think that it's an anomaly that those sort of mid-range quarterback ones flopped or do you think they're there was something we could have seen seen coming there with a bunch of those guys um, not really working out. Um, so the the obvious one, the big surprise is Russell Wilson, who uh, has just been bad. Uh, and I I guess in in, uh, in hindsight, maybe there's like there's things you can point out to as, as evidence that <clears throat> yeah maybe we should have expected it, but. I think uh, in a similar situation again, I think that uh, he probably, I, 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 I think he was probably a little bit pricey, but I yeah. don't think he was like uh, kind of like <clears throat> price in a way that, that like you should just like totally fade, ignore, um, and we we have a comment here that uh, Tom Brady will be a league winner. I think that that's probably a situation where if you wanted to, to make the comment that, hey, it's five weeks, the season is long, we, we're only one-third of the way uh, the way through the season, and we've got so many more games and action to come, 
Uh, Tom Brady is probably a guy where I don't think the story is written yet. Uh, he's had a good few games now without his kind of like star receivers. Um, yeah, Chris Godwin back, um, which is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, he, I guess he's he's no longer trading to uh, throwing to um, Cole Beasley. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which Michelle helps. Perriman. Yeah, all those guys. Um, Trey Lance. I don't. Yeah, RIP. Unfortunately. Yeah, uh, but I I think that I think that's a good point that. Uh, that's the way it started this year. Um, I think it's it's probably a little bit too early to uh, say that's the story written. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's it's also difficult to point to... Uh, I mean, maybe Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a situation where like, the team just has so much talent and it's like, how can they not turn it around? But at the same time, they played so bad. Uh, for so many weeks in a row now that you're like, okay, well, uh, it, it 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 makes you question whether they can do it or not, even though like I know that it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about Burrow and Brady, especially. I think you highlighted with Brady the pass catchers all coming back there. I think are going to lead to him rebounding from the early season struggles. I think what's interesting, I know we've talked about uh, this show a lot in terms of the best ball resurrection ADP. Uh, there's there's also only a few days left to draft those teams, and I think it's about 50% full or something right now. So I think it's a good time to to really dive in there as it's the last couple of days before people can uh, – while, while people can still get those drafts in. And the landscape there at quarterback, which we've touched on, is super interesting. There's four guys going in the top 20 ADP, which is – from this graph, it's pretty obvious who it is. It's Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, and Josh Allen. Then in the 30 to 60 range, you just have four guys. Uh, Herbert, around 30. Kyler Murray, at 40. Burrow, at 50. Brady, at 60. Just all those guys spaced out about by 10. And then there's a huge drop-off down to the next tier. Um, let me let me list a couple names here, Drico, of guys from ADPs of 90. It's Drico, by the way. Oh, Drico, sorry. (laughs) Drico, uh, I'll list some guys from ADP of 90 to 120. And curious which of these guys you're buying, because I think this is really going to be the key to the best ball resurrection is identifying which of these middle round quarterbacks we want to prioritize. So we have Goff, Dak, Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Kurt Cousins, Gino, Tua, Russ, and Deshaun. Uh, and I'll throw Matt Stafford in there as well. That's a lot of names, but those are all guys kind of going in the 90 to 120 or so range of ADP. Um, so if you're trying to attack this tournament by still prioritizing skill position players early, you're likely taking stabs on two or so of these guys on your teams. Do you have a preferred strategy there of how you're how you're looking at those um, the quarterbacks. Just to, to, to further put it in context, uh, Josh Allen, his uh, ADP is at the fifth, the five, the, the fifth, the 105 is his uh, ADP. Yeah. Uh, which ridiculous. is ridiculous. Uh, I, I, it, it's hard for me to see how you can win with that. Um, I think that uh, this feels like a cop out, but 
I think that Geno Smith is easily the uh, the the value there, easily the target. Um, mm-hmm. I think we uh, we that that was probably one of our, our finer moments last week, where I think we talked a lot about all the ways that um, he might not. It it, it 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 doesn't seem like an outlier. In they have the talented pass catchers, um, their 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 team is setting them up. For offset offensive efficiency, and um, they absolutely smashed again last week. You see all the uh, all the film grinders with uh, the beautiful highlights of Geno Smith, and obviously he is also adding um, some rushing component as well, which yep. is really nice for fantasy. Um, other than it's super. I just to, to stay on Geno, Geno for a second. It's super concentrated too. Like you know, it's gonna go through Lockett and Metcalf, and that's that's really it. Like I'm not even touching the tight ends or other pass catchers there. So he's a fun guy to stack, and that you know if he's going off, it's gonna be one of those two guys, like ninety nine percent of the time. Um, the guy is like uh, at this point, the guys like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, uh, kind they kind of feel a little bit like name brand the. Uh, uh, recognition and that like hey you know who they are uh you know they're gonna be they're gonna be starting for the rest of the year uh but it it, it it's really hard for me to see them at, at at like pick 110 or so it's really hard for me to see them being kind of like league and, and tournament winners just because even though they they, they have weekly ceilings but it's it's just difficult to see them hit that on a kind of consistent basis. Yeah. So I'll give you two guys that that I, I agree with the Gino point. I think that's a good one. The, the two other guys out of that list that, that I like are Tua and Dak Prescott. I think you're getting a big injury discount, especially with Tua and a little bit with Dak. And both of those guys, I expect to come back in the next couple of weeks in a way that it's not really going to hurt you for the best ball resurrection. Again, this is a tournament where the most important weeks are weeks 15 through 17. So maybe you miss out on one, two, three weeks from these guys at the beginning, but you should have them for the stretch run. And I think both of these guys have really talented pass catchers. Uh, They play on pass first teams. And again, just when you're seeing Burrow and Brady go at pick 50 and 60, I I don't, hate those guys you know when relative to josh allen going at pick five but when you can sort of get um you know get the discount on the pocket passers there 30 40 picks later with tua and dak i like those teams and like those like those offenses and again to the concentration point i think with tua it's very similar to gino where they're throwing all their passes to waddle and uh tyree kill and you're really not going to see a lot of tertiary pass catchers there get involved. So if a two stack hits and you have those players, you're you're going to win big there. So, um, yeah, Makes that's one for sure. Yeah, um, I think I, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit uh, skittish, slightly on uh, on Chua. I think, um, just, just the injury, a- the injury concern. Yeah, and mm-hmm. on the injury concern, uh, because 
you there whenever they're asked oh hey is there a timeline they're like no we, we we don't even care about timeline we're just trying to make sure that he's okay and that uh, i he's not on I, ior and but that uh, that does worry me a little bit and yeah. and and i do i i feel i do feel better about Dak, given that like they're they're there's a lot more immediacy about him returning of like, okay, maybe, maybe it's not this week, but th- it does seem like it's not a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's fair. I think the DAC is, is safer, but you, it's somewhat reflecting the ADP. You got to pay up a little bit for it. Right. Yeah. I and- think on, um, I guess maybe to round out this quarterback conversation, I want to talk about, two late round super late round quarterbacks i like and again this is more through the the best ball resurrection um frame where you're gonna need a quarterback two or maybe on some builds a quarterback three the two guys i like really close to the end are ryan Tannehill at pick 194 and daniel jones uh, a little bit earlier at pick 164 i think starting with daniel jones uh the, the main reason i'm into him here is just the rushing he, I think, is fourth after the elite rushers, Lamar, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts in terms of rushing yards per game. And that offense, I think Dable is doing a good job of getting the best out of their playmakers in that offense. They're really running a lot through Saquon, but I think there is some potential once Wandale Robinson and Tony get back for them to open it up through the pass game a little bit. We also saw Slayton get some run last week and I thought he looked good. So maybe there's a world where you have a three wide receiver set out there of Slayton, Wandale and Tony. And it's actually a, a pretty good three wide, re- wide receiver set compared to the, you know, the likes of Marcus Johnson and David Sills that they've been running out in past week. So at pick 164, I like Dan Jones. And then with Tannehill, I think, I don't know why people are so low on him. Maybe there's some fear of, uh, Malik Willis coming in to end, end the season there. Perhaps that's depressing his price, but I just think he's like, at pick 194, I mean, that's going close to Davis Mills, uh, Mac Jones, like some guys that we really haven't seen any upside from. And the past couple of years, we've seen Tannehill have some some big games with some rushing TDs. And, you know, his, his wide receiver corp is pretty pretty bad, but just that late in the draft, I'm willing to, to buy Tannehill at that price. Uh, do you have any late later on guys you're interested in? Trigo? So um it could be the case that the fact that Josh Allen is the uh the 106 um and and that changes uh how you need to look at quarterbacks. And uh, but strategically, I've always tried to get e- e- even if I'm being kind of cut cut price conscious, I've always tried to get guys who I think could finish sort of like close to top 10 uh, yep. by the end of the year. And I guess it's 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 still hard for me to see um, a lot of it, it, even the, the kind of like cheaper guys finish up with that. Like even then, I guess if, if, if I were, if I were really pushed, Hey, you have to draft the quarterback after round 16 and um, it, I guess this it's this is beyond the spirit of stat chasing, but it's probably Sam Hill. Um, mm. One yeah. observation I did have um, was that 
you see Zach Wilson on this chart, and even after playing some not intimidating uh, defenses in the Steelers and the Dolphins, uh, pretty poor efficiency, and his uh, is is it definitely has have noticed a difference in in the likes of Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think it's a like efficiency and also the volume have been way down for Wilson um, compared to what Joe Flacco was giving us. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell like how much of that is game script versus the jets wanting to hide Zach Wilson. Like that Miami game was weird in that they were able to get up pretty big and can just run, uh, run a bunch. I don't know if that's gonna, gonna hold for the jets. I, I would doubt right. It's not, it, it's not. Yeah. Um, but I also, yeah, it, it, it just seems like he's uh he's not somebody who's consistently moving chains, which no, uh, is also hurts the, the kind of play volume. Yeah. That back to your later on quarterback point. I think, yeah, what I wanted to hit on with that, I agree that how I was attacking best ball tournaments this summer was I was grabbing one of the elite guys very heavy on Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Kyler Murray, guys in that range. And then I was usually uh, just doing two quarterback teams by getting someone in the sort of early hundreds. I think with how the ADP works now, I'm going to get boxed out of Lamar, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts on almost every single team. And I think even like the burrow and Brady prices around pick 50 and 60, I don't, I don't love. So I think I am. And maybe this is a mistake and I just need to bite the bullet and and buy these, you know, elite quarterbacks in the picks in rounds one and two. But I think I am going to be pushed to builds where guys like Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, uh, guys in that range are my first quarterback. Right. And and I mean, we, we've been talking about that every week. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, you still need to chase these quarterbacks into the first and second round. I guess what I what I am saying is, rather than uh, go kind of like deep sea fishing uh, at yeah. pick ninety four and and so on, I, I I'd rather be trying to get um the the I guess it it's it's probably everybody knows that you need to try and get um. Geno Smith, but I, I I still want to kind of live in that range where uh, I can pick a guy and it it it, it might work uh, to to into getting a top ten quarterback season. Like, yeah. um, it's still it's still it's still like you said, even Tom Brady here picks sixty. That is like that's really hard to pay. Um, but you know, I might, I might still be willing to take Jared Goff, even though he had the bad week last uh, week, I might still be willing to take Jared Goff as somebody who might be, I don't want to call him discount Tom Brady, but as somebody who might be a pocket passer and because of the, the, the team situation might still get a lot of passing production. Yeah, Uh, that, that, that's fair. Um, I think, yeah, ideally I'm grabbing two of those guys in, in that range. And then maybe, you know, when these quarterbacks fall past ADP, if like, say, I don't know, Hertz is ADP at pick 12. If he falls to pick 20 or so, I might just say, you know what? I'm still getting him at a better value than most of the teams are. 
in this format. I know it's like not a great pick, but at that price, I'll mix them in something like that. But I think, yeah, we, like we've talked about before, I don't know if we need to spend more time. I'm mostly probably going for these pocket passers around the hundred range and just trying to build up, you know, double stacks through those guys. Um, cool. That was a good discussion on, on quarterback. And I think, you know, next year, if this quarterback ADP holds for the summer, it'll be a really interesting conversation. Uh, uh, so we'll see about that next for year. Sure. Looking at running back, <clears throat> we're going to dive into the running back snaps and usage chart. So for those who are following along on video, what this chart is showing is um, the percent of team plays where a running back is either getting a rush attempt or a route. And those are the green colors in the chart. And then you also see the percentage of plays where they're either pass blocking or run blocking. So they're still on the field there. That's a good sign they're getting usage, but it's more so an empty snap. And through that, we can get an idea of, okay, of a team's total plays, how often are these running backs involved either through a rush or through a pass route where they could earn target volume. And that gives us a sense of these guys on the far left-hand side here, who are the true workhorses that are getting a ton of rush attempts and routes um, versus the guy on the, the guys on the far right-hand side here, which are more sort of rotational uh, guys in committees. So looking at this chart here, Drico, I think one of the, the things that stand out to me are, number one, I think Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are really separating from the rest of the field in terms of um, in just terms of usage percentage of their team plays that they're getting rush attempts and routes. Do you see that as, I guess, first question, do you see that as a top, like a clear top tier with just those two guys? And then between those two, say you're on the clock and both of them are available at say pick one Oh five in a draft, which of these running backs are you, are you leaning towards? Uh, so I think it was either last week or a week before that I said I think uh, Saquon is the uh, is the one one, mm-hmm. uh, and I still I still feel like that. Um, maybe I need to change. Maybe there's a bit more upside into CMC now that uh, Matt Rule is fired, uh, but I still I still prefer Saquon, um, just given his ability to make dynamic he's been making dynamic plays mm-hmm. in in the run game in the past game uh just so important for his team um that 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 would be who i would go with but i i definitely yeah. wouldn't fault anyone uh we're still preferring cmc yeah i think i'm in the same boat i wish i had a, like a hotter take about you know one's clearly better than the other but i think they're really close and i think that they're pretty clearly the best two running backs just the role that they have far surpasses any other running back in the league. And it's interesting because neither of them are really on great offenses. Um, But Barkley, you have to give the edge to Barkley. The Giants look much more competent than the Panthers. Like there's some games where the Panthers just can't even get a first down. And who knows? It looks like Baker may be out for a couple weeks and PJ Walker's coming in. You got Darnold on IR who might come back eventually, but you know, I don't, I wish I was excited about those guys as potentially elevating the offense, but I think we've seen PJ Walker the past couple of years. It's, it's not great. Um, Darnold, obviously not great either. So 
Yeah, I, I think I'd give the edge to Barkley just because I feel a little bit better in the offense, and I can see the offense even getting better once I get uh, Tony and, and Robinson back potentially. So uh, I, I think I'm with you there. Slight slight edge to Barkley. Uh, looking at the rest of this chart, is there anything anything else that uh, stands out to you? Any any players or situations you wanted to highlight? Um. Yeah, one thing that I I think is humorous. Is that uh, so? Joe Mixon, um, I just ran a road of his tool, the road of his screener, and um, Joe Mixon on the season to date, he would be the 38 uh, most inefficient uh, running back of all time since going back to uh, that's going back to t- the 2000s. Is that extrapolating what he's done so far over the full no, season? No, 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 just. Just what he's done so far. Wow. Just week five. <laughs> um, the worst is Edger and James for Arizona in 2006 with uh, minus 73 uh, fantasy points over expected. But <laughs> he's he's easily on track. Uh, so I, I, I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, you, it really jumps off this chart. Uh, as you can see here on the bottom, we have expected points, and then fan, FPOE is fantasy points over expectation. So Joe Mixon is leading uh, the NFL in expected points for running backs, but has negative 40 fantasy points over expected, and that's, I mean, it's ridiculous. That's It, it blows anyone else out of the water. I think the second closest would be Javante, at negative 19, even Najee, who everyone is ripping on for being so terrible, um, is only at minus 15. So what Mixon's doing out there, uh, it's it's disgusting. Um, so you asked what his on pace for. So he's on pace for, if I use a, a 16-game season to make this consistent, he's yeah. on pace for minus 128 uh, next to minus 73. So... Clearly, a, a historically bad efficiency season. Yeah. Oh man, even even with that, I, I have to like if we're trying to be actionable here. His ADP is twenty five. Um, again, I'm gonna say that I think that's that's still an okay pick. I think. Look, I think I don't think Joe Mixon is good. I don't think he's this bad though. Like he's not that old yet. Just eye test from watching him, like. He doesn't look great, but he looks how he's always looked to me. Just a guy who kind of gets what's there and not much more. So I think if he regresses to just like league average efficiency, he is still a fine pick. And I think he does have, I think he still has the spike week potential just from getting touchdowns and from all this volume. So it's like not a pick I'm excited about at all, but say I I prefer not to pick the potentially least efficient player of all time. (laughs) I pick 25. Uh, yeah, that's just me. No, I, I got <laughs> just teasing you. Uh, I, I get it. The, the yeah. usage is so strong. Um, it's a uh, he's what he's got the fifth highest, uh, I guess, fantasy point usable, uh, kind of snap share. Just uh, just behind Leonard Fournette, uh, just ahead of Josh Jacobs. It, it, it feels like a situation where. You should be able to get get paid off at pick twenty five. It just, I don't know that. It's it just, it. I'm never gonna feel compelled to pick a running back, and uh, just cause, just cause they have the 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 uh, the volume, especially not with such an early pick. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think it's a specific build thing for me where say I go Cooper Cup and AJ Brown, the first two picks, something like that. I'll, I thought that build call uh, zero or B. Yeah, um, I'll plug my nose and take I'll take some mix and at that price. I wouldn't say I'd be like over overweight him, but I probably wouldn't be fading him either. I think maybe a, a better pick though, you know, if you're gonna play that same card of the running back getting volume. Just take Josh Jacobs to pick 48. I think last week we were touting him at around uh, pick like 70. This price was still really depressed. I mean, man, he looks he looks good. And it shows up in the numbers here. 10 fantasy points over expected. He has the sixth best role out of any running back based on right. uh, percentage of rush attempts and routes. And I mean, the I'm not worried about... Zamir White, I don't think he looks very good out there. I'm not worried about Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah. I mean, th- those guys will take a little bit of work, but um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty in on Jacobs at pick 48. I realize that's like, you know, we talk about running backs in that range as being in the dead zone, but from what I've seen from Jacobs this far, I don't see any reason not to not to take him there, especially if I've gone sort of wide receiver heavy uh, before that pick. What do you think about Jacobs at pick 48? Uh, it's it's really hard to disagree with that, uh, just looking at the numbers. Um, there, there, I guess there's always been people in the fantasy community that has really believed in Josh Jacobs' talent, and they are having their day right now. Uh, looking at these numbers, it kind of looks like he should be uh, he should be a first-round pick based on the numbers. Um. <laughs> And it's really hard to not say don't draft him at the end of the fourth round. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't like it, but I, I, I am probably uh, drafting uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, yeah, at that price. I mean, I don't know if you like more of Phil Grinder take, but I don't know if you watched the game last night. But he is just like punishing defenders out there, and he looks quick too. He's just if he has a one on one against a safety or cornerback, he's just absolutely bulldozing them. And um, I, I don't know, I, I. I feel like I've never seen Josh Jacobs play this way. I don't know. Like, he looks different to me. I don't know if this is just, like, results bias of him putting up fantasy points and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, he's really good. But, like, he looks like a different player out there. I don't know if he's been hampered by injuries in the past couple of years and he hasn't looked as explosive. But, um, yeah, we've always believed in Josh Jacobs here at uh, Stat Chasing and Ship Chasing. Huge, huge Jacobs fan. So, um <laughs> Yeah, now I, I wish I could honestly say that. I don't think I have. I don't think I have much of him. Uh, so I got my face there from the preseason. Um, one uh, one pick that stands out big time to me is uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, he's clearly kind of uh, uh, taking a stranglehold. Not a stranglehold, but in, in today's running back landscape, he's taking a uh, Austin Eckler-sized <laughs> share of... Uh, <laughs> Of the Dolphins' backfield, and the points haven't really caught up yet. And uh, but uh, let's see where he's going. Um, yeah, he's the best. He's the best running back value right now in in Best Ball Resurrection. I think I'm with hundred. It, it like huge priority, huge priority. Um, yeah, they're icing Edmonds. I mean, um, Miles Gaskin. I think got more snaps than than Edmonds last week, so they're really down really really down on Edmonds. um yeah pick 100 you're getting a top 15 role uh in terms of rush share and routes 
And I do think, like we talked about with Miami earlier, I think, I mean, Tua, Tua coming back, there's maybe some risk there, but I think Teddy Bridgewater's injury does not appear to be serious. He should at least be back. There's the technicality, I believe. Yeah. Like, it was because he, he the, the, a spotter said that he slipped, but there was no, um, there's no video evidence of him ever slipping. So they're like, there's no sign of concussion, but he has to go through the protocol. And he, he it, it sounds like he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he should be back. And again, yeah, we just need league or average quarterback play, I think, in Miami and Mostert. Uh, definitely had to pick 100. You know, it's totally worth it. I think we should talk about the the cover board for this week now. Uh, and Ken Walker, who I, does not appear on this chart, we see Penny there. Um, does walk? I'm not even sure Walker appeared. We, we, we should have uh, used some um, um, Adobe. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Photoshop and just yeah. scribbled out Rashad Penny's name and put in Kenneth Walker's. Yeah, we uh, yeah we need to <laughs> we'll do some next level editing next week, but yeah, Penny, rest in peace. He was starting to look like a good pick uh, at around pick a hundred this offseason, but he is out for the year. Ken Walker looks like the most exciting waiver ad for for casual leagues out there that we'll have all season. Obviously, in any league where he's available, you're spending like all your money on him. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about like what what do we think. How do we think um, Ken Walker will – where do we think he'll show up on this chart next week in terms of percentage t- of team um, routes and rush attempts? Because I think we've seen – it was interesting in Seattle because originally we saw this three-man split where it was Homer, Penny, and Walker. Homer goes on IR. They basically plug DJ Dallas into the Homer role for a week, and it was still a three-way split amongst those guys. Since then, they basically pushed DJ Dallas to the side, and it's just been Penny and Walker. And now Penny goes down. So what do we think? Do they involve DJ Dallas a lot more? Does Travis Homer have a role when he comes back? Where do you think, like if you're just to sort of um, postulate, where do you think Walker will sort of slot in um, on the spectrum of, you know, workhorse, a la Barkley McCaffrey Taylor to, you know, 50% snap share guy, a la Cordell Patterson, James Robinson. Uh, you mean right. next week? Yeah. Next, I, or I guess over the course of. Right. Yeah. I think there, there are two different questions and both important questions. Um, and yeah. so I think that uh, this is kind of one of those good, one of those situations where when two running backs are in a timeshare, and the reason that they're in a timeshare is that they're both so good that uh, they both become they're both hugely uh, valuable p- picks in fantasy because the contingent upside is just so high. Yeah, and I I really don't see any way that he doesn't um, get pretty much all of uh, Penny's kind of rushing workload and. I but I still I still would have some question about his pass catching. Um he was not a good receiver in college. So that uh, I think that that part the, the the fact that Penny was starting to eat into uh the kind of route share I I don't know if we can just push that onto uh Walker but 
it might be a situation where he's so good as a rusher because he really was a, a great uh, a great college talent for uh, at, at rushing. So that really could transfer to the NFL in a big way. He might he might end up being kind of like a you're not going to like this. He might kind of be end up being in a like Nick Chubb role mm. and if we really do believe in the Seahawks offense um the touchdown element might be strong enough to really uh, push him forward i think that would be like my kind of like reasonable yeah. uh, base case and obviously there's huge range of outcomes like the he could end up being like oh he's actually a solid pass catcher and and he becomes a workhorse or it, it could be a situation where they're like, ah, we still like these other running backs. We're still going to use them in the rushing game. And, and I'm wrong on the downside, but I think that's a good. Uh, I think if you, uh, non premium brand or discount brand Nick Chubb on, on the Seahawks offense. Is yeah. What I'd say. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I think that seems like a fair base case. I've heard people talk about the fact that I, I think if you look at the numbers and I don't have it up right now, Walker has drawn a decent amount of targets um, on the routes he's run. It's actually looking at the weighted targets for route run. He has a 60% weighted targets per route run. That's a very small sample size. And just from like a film, um, film take perspective, I think he's been in a lot where they've done these uh, jet sweep design plays for him that are essentially running plays. And on such a small sample, that's going to really skew the numbers. Okay. So I have, I have that. I just want to sort of provide the the counter take. I have heard people talk about oh, Walker's earning targets. I'm a little skeptical of that because of the small sample and the the jet sweep stuff. But who knows? We have seen in the past running backs. Um, that don't have much of a receiving profile in college that can perform at the NFL level. I think Taylor's maybe an example. He, he's different than than Walker in that he flashed a bit more receiving in college than Walker did, but that's maybe one example of a guy um, where we saw the receiving uh, come up in the NFL in a way we didn't quite see in college. But I think your, your base case makes sense. I think going back to the ADP, he's... I think it'll take some time for the the ADP to adjust off the injury news, but he's only going at pick 81 right now, which is behind Melvin Gordon, AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams, James Connor, James Robinson. I think he should be going closer to the J the Jacobs range at around pick 50 to 60. So I'm still definitely buying Walker. At pick 80, just a bet on the talent, second round pedigree, and a bet on the Seattle offense um, being strong. And also a bet against these DJ Dallas, Travis Homer guys. I think if they do start out with a role, I think Seattle will see how much better Walker is than them and will eventually sort of ice ice those guys into smaller roles. And um, on your on your kind of jet sweep film grinder point, he has negative at 12 air yards. So yeah. that's what those targets are, yeah. Um, uh, but you know it's still interesting that he has in uh, in in three games that he's been targeted. So he has seven targets on the year, which considering that he was out week one, right? Yeah, he was out week one. Mm -hmm. So that's close to uh, two targets a game. 
which, I mean, is fine. Yep. It's better than what Penny's ever done, um, for sure. But, yeah, I, I think, like, it's hard to paint, given the current backfield and, you know, what we even if Seattle maintains just sort of a league average offense, they've actually been better than that. It's sort of hard to paint the downside case for Walker at pick 80. Like, you're getting the, clearly the lead back on right. an offense that has been strong. Um, yeah, his price will go up, I'm sure, but I'm trying to get some drafts in tonight where he's still going around there. Right. That, that price the, is uh, the, 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 the tournament closes on Thursday, so it's really a race against time. I was like, how how quickly can the uh, can the ADB catch up? Obviously, an advantage right now. Yep. The last running back I wanted to talk about is Ramondre Stevenson, just in the context that Damian Harris is likely to miss a couple weeks. I think there's even a chance he might go on IR. And if we go to the next chart quickly, uh, we see Damian Harris um, with 53 expected points. So he has sort of a small role in terms of when he's actually on the field, but when he has been on the field, he's getting a ton of touches. If Ramondre even absorbs some of that, Ramondre's um, been in a bigger role due to his past game usage. He's at 61 expected fantasy points. If he absorbs just like half of Harris's role, which I think is a realistic base case assumption, he would all of a sudden be near the top in terms of expected fantasy points and near the far left of this chart in terms of guys of the workhorse role. So I've seen it on Twitter already. Guys who are, are deep in the projection streets are already coming out with Ramondre as one of the top projected running backs next week in terms of points. So I think that's just an interesting, interesting guy to highlight that, you know, maybe in some leagues where the manager isn't really aware of how much upside Ramondre has, you could, you could buy him at a lower price or even in these best ball resurrection drafts. I think he is a pretty good value at, at pick 60 just for the the near-term upside and i think in the playoffs he will still maintain sort of the lead back role that we've seen this far in new england um but yeah so i i really like ramondre i really like his talent and my only pushback would be that i still think harris is coming back like he has this uh hamstring injury that's kind of leave him out for a while yeah. and while the while Ramondre is is while he's out, Ramondre should be um, this total uh, smash. I I do think that the fact that uh, Harris comes back and that when he comes back, the um, the week to week floor is so low, and the ceiling is it, while Harris is playing, the ceiling is not great either. I. I think that pick 60 might be a tad too expensive for me, given that. Um, yeah. I, I, I can definitely, hey, he could be a guy with the, with the shorter, um, uh, what's it called? Not playoff. With the shorter group stage, uh, he could be somebody who almost advances you on by himself. But when you're trying to take down these tournaments, you, you really do need to remember uh, what the kind of last few week upside is. And I, I don't know if that matches uh, the price in that situation. 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And like we've talked about guys that I think are better values uh, a bit later. I certainly think that Mostert uh, and and uh, Ken Walker are better values slightly later. But I, I still think pick 60 for Ramondre is fair. Just that in the, the two weeks prior, while, um, while Harris was still playing, he put up um, pretty strong lines over... What about week one and two, though? Yeah, week one and two. <laughs> week one and two... I will say we. I think there was a bit of a role change in that we saw uh, in weeks one and two. Number one, we had Ty Montgomery in there, um, messing things up a little bit. Again, he could be back too, so you could make the argument that he will mess things up in the future. But we had that aspect of it. We also had Damian Harris in those early weeks running equal or even more routes than Ramondre, which everyone was pointing out as uh, pretty weird. I think that was certainly the case in week two. And then that flipped in weeks three and four, where you saw Ramondre put up four receptions each week, also had 12 to 14 carries in each game with uh, 65 plus rushing yards in each. So even before Harris got hurt, we did see like this 10 to 18 touch per game uh, role for Ramondre, which again, the, the floor like we, we have seen the floor in, in weeks one and two, but that's still a pretty solid role with Harris and these mid season hamstring injuries. I'm always sort of betting against the guy to come back fully healthy. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think I, I see your side of the take. Like there's better values um, when you can get Jacobs to pick 50, you can get Moster to pick a hundred. He's not the best value out there, but I'd probably want to have some, Ramondre um, in some world where I'm doing a bunch of these uh, best ball drafts. Um, so one thing I would point out is that in week two, um, he did have uh, 61% of the route share. Uh, okay. But he still he still scored only six points. And now that's like a, a, a one-week sample. Um, week four, he only had 52% and he scored 13 points. I, I, I still think that other than his talent isn't the talent of a dead zone dead zone back, but the situation is where like near term for the for the first week of the resurrection we project him as a bell cow, but it's such a fragile situation that uh, it could really blow up in your face. Is 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 where I'm more wary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, maybe where, where we differ is I, I think that the upside, I think we're going to see these next couple of weeks that the upside is really, really massive. And even if there's like a strong chance Harris is back in his full role, uh, I still want some chance of that. Just we've seen the running back position this year just be so thin that at that pick 60, I think um, it's an okay upside bet. Um, but yeah, I see your side of things. Um, I think it's an interesting player uh, to talk about. We'll see over the next couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, for sure. I totally yeah. agree there. Definitely. Uh, he's going to be somebody that uh, um, there's probably going to be uh, huge disagreements about uh, that is ma- makes this fun. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be fun if, if everybody agreed on the same uh, things. For sure. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the sort of more rotational running backs. Maybe we'll do uh, some quick hits here. 
I had a couple things. Uh, one, Jalen Warren, I think, makes his first appearance on these charts. He still has a pretty small role uh, according to this chart, but we actually saw last week, I believe he outsnapped Najee Harris or at least made it very close to a 50-50 split. He was playing a lot of the third down role. Some of that people pointed out was late in the game, but all the starters were still playing. It wasn't like... Right. Najee was the only starter that they removed. Exactly. Yeah. And there were quotes this week on Tomlin saying Warren's going to have a bigger role. So there's some uh, some momentum there for sort of the coaching sentiment. I think that the team has obviously invested so much in Najee that it's going to be tough to like completely relegate him to Warren. But I think we'll see them approach a 50-50 split. Maybe base case assumption going forward would be something like a 60-40 split in favor of Najee with Warren getting a little bit more of the pass down work. And I think that's just like, that's just putting Najee in a coffin. We know he relied on a hundred percent sort of snap rate essentially last year. Um, so I think Warren, Warren is interesting. Um, so here, here, here's, here's, I think this should be interesting. Yeah. And so Warren had a 50% route share in week five. Tell me, tell me your best guess as to what his route share was on average, between uh, weeks one and uh, four? Uh, I'd say like 20%. 23%. So pretty good guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, in weeks two, he had 30%. And weeks four, he also had 30%. So it's not like mm-hmm. this is just like, hey, this is just a weird game. One off, out of no. the blue. And he, he has been uh, pushing for this. Uh, the last couple of weeks and i think you're seeing the culmination of this kind of mounting pressure and yep. i i like maybe maybe next week it's not going to be a 50 50 share but there is it, it's he's kind of like uh i think warren is kind of like the inconvenient troop right now of like probably everybody knows that he's playing better but it's that's very inconvenient for him and in in a tournament where, like we said, weeks fifteen through seventeen are the are disproportionately the payouts and uh, deciders. That uh, that that's definitely a situation you want to uh, to bet on. Yep, I agree. I like Warren. Pick one eighty right now. That's best resurrection. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's a great combo of he should provide some like if you're really desperate give you some points as an RB2 some weeks. And I think he has pretty strong or very strong contingent upside. Uh, we've sh- They've shown they really hate the rest of these running backs behind Najee, Anthony McFarlane, Benny Snell, all these guys that got zero role last year uh, with Najee healthy. So I think if Najee goes down, Warren is going to get a pretty huge share just given that they don't like those other backs at all. Yeah, I, think, I, I uh, yeah. agree. And I think it's also crazy – that a second Steelers running back would be on this chart. Like, we would not have believed that if, uh, hey, Najee's still going to be playing, but it's going to be an actual committee. Yeah, we would not have expected that. So, like, this is, like, kind of, like, extraordinary that this has happened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the other one interesting to hit on here, we see two Jets running backs near around the 40% mark in terms of 
um, rush attempts plus routes as a percent of total team plays. So I think that is interesting to point out in that Brees Hall has 85 expected points in such a you know, relatively small role compared to what we expect for the rest of the year. Um, if we did this chart and only looked at the last two weeks, Hall um, would be, you know, certainly on the other chart and have, have a much bigger role. His role has sort of steadily grown throughout the year. So that's just to point out that I think at pick 26, I, I believe in the best fall resurrection. Oh no, he's at pick 29. So going a bit later, I'm pretty excited about Brees Hall uh, at that price. I think he has a lot of, a lot of upside there if he earns a bigger share and, the talent, especially the the pass catching talent, looks really strong on his uh, small NFL sample so far. What are you, what are your thoughts on the the Jets guys and and Brees? At um, I def I maybe this is a hot take, but I definitely prefer Brees Hall to uh, John Mixon. Um, at, yeah, at, at cost, I, I do too. Um, I mean, there's only a five pick difference in, in cost. Yeah. So. That's I think that's close enough that it's a choice almost, um, but I I prefer like he's not his expected points workload. Obviously, that uh, is probably a bit high from the the Joe Flacco uh, stimmies, um, yeah. But he can obviously score points. He's obviously the better back of two studs, basically. And they, I think that uh, there's like probably strong kind of demonstration there that playing through him is a good way for them to be competitive and win games. And like you said, the talent is, is huge too. So that's something where I, if I'm trying to skate to where the puck is going in week 15 through 17, I'd, I'd much rather go through that avenue than, uh, than Joe Mixon for sure. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think I actually had a draft today where I had that choice and I did go with Hall. Um, I think that we're on the same page there in terms of Hall over Mixon. Just a much a much more exciting bet and you could definitely see his workload grow. I, I just think it's back to the Joe Flacco point. I just think it's hilarious. You know, four years ago, if you were to tell me that it would be begging for a team to choose uh, to play Joe Flacco instead of a rookie or a second year, you know, first round quarterback. I would have thought you're crazy, but here we are. I'll tell you about the quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> we really please Joe Flacco. <laughs> please come play for the Jets. Oh man, it's it's looking bad for Zach Wilson. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Um, here. Just one before we move on, yeah. uh, one sure. thing that uh, it is nice to see that after kind of like uh, uh, the Daryl Williams. Uh, kind of like forcing Eno into uh, into kind of like a, a split role, even with John Connor, John James Connor down. It is nice to see that uh, Eno and um, earn a bit more of a snap share. Uh, well, sorry, Daryl. Daryl went down in that game with the knee injury too. Right. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that point. Um, and. That uh, that that I think that is also I I guess I think to me that's a little exciting for you know uh, I I I don't like cheering for injuries, um, but I think that that's uh that's something where that there's just he, he uh 
he's definitely worthwhile drafting uh, there. I pick 160. Yeah, for sure. There's some near-term upside there with the the injuries. Uh, again, uh, you know, a waiver guy. I know the the not in my league people will will hate the you know Benjamin. He's available in nine. Why? How is he available in ninety five percent of Yahoo leagues? <laughs> yeah, we got to come up with better metri- uh, metrics than these uh, percent of Yahoo leagues available. <laughs> I think we can do better. Yeah, <laughs> for the people who are listening to Fantasy Football Podcasts, uh, we need we need a better metric there. But anyways, let's uh there's there's tons of other things we could hit on here, but let's uh let's move along to wide receiver. Again, for those following along on video uh here, we're looking at wide receiver opportunity compared to results, fantasy points. And this first chart for wide receivers are the full-time wide receivers, guys running more than 85% of their team's routes. So on the y-axis here. We have fantasy points per game on the y-axis, sort of a measure of results. How are these guys hitting? We're playing fantasy. We want to see fantasy points. X-axis here, we have weighted targets per route run. Now, this metric, um, if you're familiar with targets per route run, which is the number of targets you earn per uh, routes, that is that metric, but adjusted for air yards, which means targets further down the field, You know, a 50-yard bomb to Justin Jefferson, is worth more than a jet sweep to Kenneth Walker in terms of opportunity. So that's how we're looking at the wide receiver position. It gives us a view on potential buy lows and sell highs, um, as well as looking at you know guys that are performing really strong in the top right quadrant, and then your cardio specialists, Allen Robinson, in the far left quadrant. So that's when orientation, you- yeah, to the chart. Draco, go ahead. When you said uh, some buy lows and so, so some buy lows and sell highs, it reminded me of that uh, the GPP intro thing that Pete has with the Raptors. <laughs> buy lows and sell highs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best TikTok. Uh, that's that's still out there. And um, so my thought on this chart is uh, because it's receiving, I think that and uh, this is probably one of the most stable charts week to week that we have. And a lot of, a lot of the, the, the kind of most striking things on this, I think we have actually discussed quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that is, uh, I think quite noticeable is that uh, Brandon Ayuk is in the, Hey, they're earning strong targets, but they're not scoring points. Um, kind of quadrant there. And, I, I actually find that really interesting in that, like, oh, hey, he's this talent that we like. He's running the routes. He's getting the targets. He's just not scoring the points yet. And he's got the type of talent profile that we do expect to score points. Um, yeah. Especially relative to last year where he wasn't on the field because he was in the doghouse, whereas now he is on the dog field. It, it, sorry. He is on the field, the dog field. But he's on the he's in the dog park. <laughs> I, I think my brain was in the dog park when I said that. <laughs> um, uh, going to pick ninety three, like that. That does seem like a really strong. Uh, and and when we looked at the uh, the quarterback chart, uh, we had pretty strong adjusted area. Uh, sorry, adjusted yards per attempt for um, uh, Jimmy G. So he's kind of settling back into that. Uh, terrible for fantasy but uh good for his receivers are maybe not even good for his receivers 
Eh. Good for what but, Shanahan wants out of the offense, I guess. Like facilitating receivers on a per drop back basis. Um yeah. And to add to that point, uh the 49ers who they've played to open the season, they played the Bears, one of the worst offenses in the league. They actually lost that game. <laughs> then they played the Seahawks. Uh the Seahawks had a down week that week, only scored seven points. They played the Broncos, really bad offense. Rams have been really struggling on offense with the O-line. Panthers, terrible offense. So it's been a bunch of games where the 49ers haven't been pushed at all. And they've been able just to enforce their running game on their opponents. Now, look, the 49ers defense is very good. And I would expect some of that to continue. But I think coming up, uh, they have games against Chiefs, Chargers, Cardinals, Dolphins, Bucks, um, Seahawks again, Raiders. These are some teams that I expect to push the 49ers in certain games. And I do think we'll see more volume out of the passing game, out of necessity there. So, yeah, I think Ayuk is a great call because when I look at his uh, actual fantasy points over expected, it's very neutral. And I would actually expect him to be uh, efficient. So I think there is some upside there, but definitely uh, the issue for him fantasy-wise is that they just haven't been pushed to pass enough. Uh, And... I completely agree that uh, that is a kind of volatile thing, uh, and yeah, we we can probably expect it to. Uh, so here's that uh, the 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 San Francisco true week five have the second highest amount of snaps uh, or of offensive snaps up by seven points or more with 163. That's compared the first is Philadelphia. Uh, with 200 so that probably they, they probably are on the upper end of this chart and uh, on a full season basis but i don't think they're second and i don't think they're like i i don't think they're like really kind of like right now they're in a kind of tier gap with K- uh, K- yeah. kc are 135 buffalo 122 baltimore 122 i don't i don't think they're like 30 to 40 plays, uh, maybe 10 plays a game uh, ahead, better than the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, again, yeah, I expect them to be run heavy. I expect them to have a good defense. I don't expect the extreme that we've seen this far this year to hold over the course of the whole season. So I think that that bodes well for not just Ayuk, but but Debo as well, right? He's – um he's been solid to start the year but i don't think people are you know extremely excited they have Debo on their teams are probably a bit neutral i think we could see him put together a really strong stretch in games where san francisco is forced to throw a little bit more so I, yeah i think there's all those guys kittle too um i'm still buying even though the results have been bad in, yeah. in the spirit of i mean the only thing uh so i'm still buying Debo as well uh, but Ayuk picked 90, Debo picked 19. Yeah. Looking at this chart, uh, the, that, that gap is too high. Yeah, I'm with you. What what you're going to miss in this chart, right, is that, like, rushing and red zone role that Debo right. is so involved in. So I, there Debo should be – security of they're just always going to make him this massive part of their offense. Like, no yeah. matter what offense they're running, a lot of the time it's going to be true Debo. I, I get it. I, I just I don't think it's a seventy pick difference. 
Yeah, that's fair. Ayuk, and I, and I would be more on the side that Ayuk is undervalued than than Debo's right is overvalued. One hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Cool. Another thing, I think a guy that pops here that we maybe haven't talked about as much is the most disrespected wide receiver in the league. That is Jacoby Myers. He has the highest weighted targets per route run of any of the full-time wide receivers. I don't know if it's like the undrafted free agent bias from his uh, prospect profile. I don't know if it's the Patriots being a gross sort of offense that we don't want to be excited about bias, but he is not just drawing all these targets. He's actually scoring quite a bit of fantasy points now um, over 15 fantasy points per game. He missed a couple weeks early in the year. So maybe that's why people have been sort of slow to catch on, but I think he is the best wide receiver value bar none in the best ball resurrection right now at pick 120. That's just a ridiculous uh, value on a guy who's earning an insane role. Um, you know, even not on a great offense, I think that is just a ridiculous price. Um, what, what do you think about Jacoby? Um, it's hard not to agree um, that he is interesting. Uh, so, yeah, hundred pick 120, scoring uh, 70 and a half points per game. <laughs> I yeah. mean, sometimes it's yeah. easy, right? Yeah, that's an easy one. Again, yeah, there's some like anti-Patriots you know, Jacoby Myers is boring bias going on there, but yeah, last two games, nine for 95, then seven for 11 and a touchdown. Um, yeah, it fantasy football doesn't always have to be hard. Just pick uh, Jacoby Myers every time at pick 120. Drigo, any other situations here you wanted to talk about? Um, I think Alan Robinson is super happy that Marcus Johnson earned a full role, so he's no longer the the king cardio specialist we have a, right. a new a new entrant into the competition there he's the cardio prince now yeah uh, so um you had an interesting tweet uh do i think it was last night or the night before that if anybody's victory lapping gabe davis <laughs> they need to be uh what making um diami brown as the uh as the number one waiver wire pickup in yep. fantasy and yeah, that was somewhat uh, sarcastic, but I think there is an ounce of truth to that. Um, that Gabe Davis still didn't earn targets last week, really. Um, he's running all the routes. Look, I think what's interesting about Gabe Davis is I don't think we should penalize him for the fact that he's running all the all the routes. And also on that offense, it's a lot of deep routes that are going to have a low um rate uh, i guess a low target rate just inherently they're deep sort of clear out routes um and he's on the field all the time they must like his blocking they want to have him out there all the time so i don't think you should be penalized for that and i think that's a little bit of why like we saw we see him so far left in this chart that maybe if he was running less routes and just out there for more plays that were designed for him versus like clear out routes he would actually show up a little bit better here but again, I think there is an ounce of truth that like I don't think this gave this Gabe Davis role like is not really what it was sold as this offseason. I think people are a little bit burying their head in the sand um on Gabe Davis. And it sounds ridiculous to say after a 30 point fantasy game that 
I think you should be selling Gabe Davis. I'll probably like eat those words, but I think at his current price right now, um, where is he going? Pick 38 in the best ball resurrection. Like I am still just passing on him there almost every single time when I can get DK Metcalf, Marquise Brown, Chris Olave, Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, Chris Godwin, Christian Kirk. You know, everybody after him is like in this strong, it's all these strong performers on the right-hand side of this chart, these guys that are earning massive roles. And then you have Gabe Davis, you know, earning four to five targets a game um, and just like connecting on deep touchdowns. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always choosing the guys that are earning more targets and the more sustainable side. Um, but we'll see if Gabe Davis makes me, uh, makes me eat my words soon. What do you, what do you think about the Gabe Davis situation? Um, so it's pretty, I guess it's pretty tough when, uh, I look at his way to targets per run last, uh, oh, sorry. I look at his way to targets per run last year and I see 55% um which is higher than a uh, high uh, uh, like almost double what we've got for this year and uh, so that, that's using rotavis and uh, and then last week uh oh doesn't have uh rotavis not updated yet um this year it looks to be around 25 percent ish just for for this year i don't know about last week though um yeah, I, 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 last week made me believe the uh, the ankle injury thing a little bit more. Um, yep. I think that um, the thirty is probably not going to score thirty points every week. Um, probably is a little bit expensive. Probably a little bit pricey. And uh, but just the I guess major downfield role for Josh Allen means that this kind of 30 point week is going to be so within his reign of outcomes every game that it, it makes it, he seems like a very difficult fade. And, but I definitely understand why other players would be preferred um, in that range, just because we, we're even, uh, if you ignore the ankle injury thing for a minute, he, he does seem to have put up games where he just hasn't scored at all. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a bit of risk that you probably don't usually want to pay uh, that kind of price for. Yeah. I, I'm with you. It's like if he was 20 picks later, I'd be like, totally fine. You're getting the Bills deep threat. Um, he's going to have these massive blow up games, but. Yeah, you're 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 giving up all these sort of elite target earners um, that are discounted for whatever reason. Like I think DK Metcalf is maybe one example. You know, he's scoring the same amount of fantasy points as Gabe Davis, but I think is doing it in a much more sustainable way. And I think his ceiling is just as high, if not higher, on a weekly basis than Gabe Davis. Maybe we haven't seen it yet, but he's also a big, massive dude that runs a four three attached to a good offense on an offense that's highly concentrated. Like I don't see why you would ever pick Gabe Davis over DK Metcalf. And unless I guess maybe you took Josh Allen at pick one Oh four or whatever. 
Um, it, it just yeah, that, I think I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think that's a good point for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, maybe let's. Uh, anybody else you want to hit on here before we move on to uh, next set of wide receivers? Um, not really. No. Um, I I think that uh, that it'll be interesting to check in with Rondale at Moore next week. Mm. Um, but I think we're still collecting some data there. Yep. Yeah. Again, just I think still just a good signal he's running all the routes. Quick hit. Again, I still think the Steelers are undervalued. We see Pickens, Deontay Johnson, both in the buy low. I'm I'm still believers in those guys. Anyways, let's let's move on to the more rotational wide receivers um, in the 65 to 85 percent of routes run. So um, in this chart here, it's guys that have close to full time roles um, like Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, etc. Uh, to guys that are just earning a little bit over 50% of their team snaps, so maybe more slot receivers. But again, looking at the same chart here, um, Drico, I think, again, we've talked about a lot of these guys in the past, so don't want uh, right. to talk on guys too much. I think one kind of situation that won't be talked about a ton that is interesting is the Giants, uh, Darius Slayton. Coming up here in the buy low category. Now, assuming like this, this is all sort of contingent on Wandale and Tony remaining out, and who knows with those guys. Um, but do you think Slayton, maybe in your FFPC main event football guys, do you think he is an interesting ad this week? He's a guy that we sort of liked the talent profile in the past when he was a rookie, and he pops up here with a pretty big role. Um, are you? interested at all in in darius slayton uh so gonna pick 204 in uh, the resurrection huge value there um you are the waiver guy um if if i was to kind of gut check what i'd pay yeah uh, probably like 50 bucks but uh, yeah that seems about right on a team where you needed a wide receiver yeah right yeah you're um Wait, where you need to start someone next week? Seems like a good, uh, good pick. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's interesting and a guy that will go under the radar just because. Yeah, talk, just talked about it, but I think the talent profile is interesting. He's just kind of never. He's been for whatever reason benched the past couple of years after a promising start to his career, and now all of a sudden there's no wide receivers left on the team. So I would, yeah, speculative. 20 to 50 dollar ad depending on how badly your team needs needs a wide receiver piece uh but i think i think he's somewhat somewhat interesting other guys here are pretty obvious uh we see stefan diggs tyree kill jalen waddle amon Ra, even on his sort of down week last week still still showing up as strong performers i think the chiefs you know we've talked about him a bunch but the Chiefs are interesting to talk about. What's what's your sort of pulse check on on Juju um, after last week's somewhat down performance? I believe he earned eight targets, but only converted that into three for thirty something in that range. Um, if you are updating your Bayesian, or maybe I've said that wrong. Priors, I've only ever seen it written down. 
and <laughs> if you're updating your priors and you think about when you're coming into the summer of like, oh, hey, he, he was either just in a bad situation with the Steelers and he still got it and he's going to do really well for Kansas City or what we saw with the Steelers is that that's kind of who he is now um, and we need to be careful about overpaying for him. Yeah, I think that the the evidence has been pretty strongly in favor of like, yeah, it, it looks like the the information that we got of him playing poorly for the Steelers was, was it, it was solid info, and um yeah, he is he does seem to be just a guy running routes, earning targets for uh or or maybe not even earning targets uh getting targets from Mahomes and. The fact that uh, Kelsey is smashing so hard right now that I know he only had the small amount of yards, but, that's, but he's been balling this year. I think that's only really possible because the uh, their other wide receivers are not playing well. Yeah. And, yeah, we've seen this, especially in the red zone. And I think, you know, sometimes in fantasy we talk about touchdowns as sort of noise, but I think there's – very systemic things, touchdowns too. We see in the red zone, Casey wants to get the running backs and their tight ends heavily involved. It's not just Kelsey there, you know, there's been goal line looks to Fordson, gray, etc. And then running backs, CEH has a big red zone role. That's sort of propped up his value. Um, we've seen Pacheco and McKinnon a little bit in the red zone too. They're just, they're an offense that's not involving the wide receivers at all in the red zone. And for a guy like Juju, who it doesn't seem like in his like profile anymore, we have the, breakaway run or deep pass i'm kind of like concerned he's not really going to score touchdowns he maybe has some kind of ppr floor because he is earning you know he's still earning more targets than the other wide receivers in the team but it's it's not very exciting and he's probably a guy i'm fading even at a you know discounted price of pick nine or 80 83 right now i just i don't really see the upside I think you can you can make better picks there with Juju. Um yeah, I agree. Um so uh I I joked I joked uh, offline a bit about not turning this into uh, an extension of waiver waiver wire uh, arguments slash discussions. Do you think that uh, the fact that uh Juju and MVS have been kind of just bodies do, do, do you think that that makes the uh, situation more exciting for a guy like Sky Moore? Or is it kind of like an indictment that he's uh, he's not earning uh, – he's not getting in on the field over these guys? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I'm going to quickly pull up. So he – again, very small sample. I think just 32 routes on the season for Sky Moore. He has a 57% weighted targets per route run. So, you know, if he was on this chart here, um, he would be like kind of close to the Burks, you know, the Burks range in terms of weighted targets per route run. Back to your question. I think it's interesting, um, but I, you know, I think that, it makes if Sky Moore is like on waivers in your league, you should definitely pick him up because if he 
you know, if he does earn somewhat of a full-time role, he definitely profiles better than MVS and Juju. I think there's like two things going on there. I think sometimes when guys have a very small um, route percentage, you can see them being in the game specifically for schemed touches. I haven't seen that like to be the case necessarily with Sky. I haven't seen like jet sweeps, those types of things. Like I think he is earning some legitimate targets down the field. So, you know, I think maybe that that target rate is somewhat inflated by that, but doesn't explain the whole story. And then number two, again, j- just back to the, the Kelsey point, I think this is an offense where like we look at all these wide receivers underperforming and we're like, somebody has to earn targets. Like, what are we missing? One of these wide receivers has to be good. And I think sometimes the answer is just it's Travis Kelsey is, is the wide receiver on the team. So I think I fell into that trap a little bit this offseason where I was like, one of these Chiefs guys has to hit. I'm going to draft some Juju. I'm going to draft some McColl. I'm going to draft some Sky. I'm going to draft some MBS. And like there are paths where they all fail. Um, and that looks like the most likely path right now. So that that's a lot of words to say that like, you know, when Sky's free on waivers, I think he's a good pickup. But my base case assumption is still that he's not going to be, you know, a relevant guy uh down down the stretch for fantasy um but the upside you know the upside's there like you should add him if he's available that uh yeah makes sense and it is nice to see that i guess he's up to a 29 route share now and but yeah and you would you definitely want to see at at some point start to beat out some of these struggling uh, veterans. Yeah. And there's still like, you know, Watson is Justin Watson is still getting some snaps. Nicole is still getting some snaps. So yeah, well, we will see. I think he will like, he'll earn more snaps throughout the year, but like how much, how big of a role that ends up being, I think he might need an injury to McCole or MVS and one of these guys to really um, earn a big enough share that that means something. Let's finish off the wide receivers here. Uh, I don't think I, I only had one point on this this last chart, uh, Drico, which was Alec Alec Pierce. I think from a waivers perspective and also best ball resurrection perspective, I think is interesting. Second round draft capital. We see him go eight for eighty one last week. Uh, Out target Michael Pittman. He actually has a higher weighted targets per route run than Pittman, I believe. Uh, yeah, slightly, slightly higher than Pittman going back to that last chart. So I think there's a possibility it's a small sample, but I think there's a possibility that he earns a full role and, um, ices Paris Campbell and sort of matches Pittman in targets and opportunity. So for a guy that's probably on waivers in a lot of leagues, um, and free basically in the best ball resurrection, I think he is an interesting guy to target uh, i'm trying to find his price right now in best fall resurrection i think it's quite low um oh pick 126 okay actually not not free um, yeah I, I i think that's one of those situations where the, the the price changes how you feel about the situation it's like you're interested in the late round but i don't think you are interested in the 10 round right or do you yeah no one 126 i i kind of asleep at the wheel there didn't think the market would catch up that quickly but maybe this is this is more maybe a point for uh i think even in some main events um 
you'll you'll see Alec Pierce available on the waiver waiver wire, and certainly in casual leagues, he is he is worth the pickup. But yeah, best ball resurrection, I actually would not endorse that price of one twenty six. I think it's interesting at, on on an overall point. Uh, we see these guys with the low uh, route percentages. That uh, obviously you want to exclude Chris Godwin because coming back from injury. Yeah. But they, they almost all have this kind of like not playing very well. Um, yeah. I don't know, statistic profile of like you've got David Bell, you've got uh, AJ Green, Chris Murr, just a lot of guys that uh, when they do go out there, that they're, they're uh, I guess, running wind sprints. Yeah, it makes sense, right? If they're they're not seeing seeing the field, they get out there and they're uh, they're bad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree with that point. It's it's kind of what you'd expect. Um, final quick hits on this chart: McKenzie, I think I, Isaiah McKenzie. We saw Shakir perform well in that slot role in Buffalo. I think McKenzie is sort of a priority add anywhere where he's available. I think that role is pretty exciting. And made this point before, but I think. Julio is now just sort of a contingent bet. I think the team is looking to rest him uh, until the playoffs, it seems, or maybe when they need him if Evans or Godwin goes down. So um, he probably doesn't have standalone. He, he's a better, I think, actually like managed than, than best ball pick almost, where you probably will know when to start him, but he's not going to provide much standalone value. Um, yeah, let's move on to tight ends. Uh, we don't need to spend time discussing Quintess Cephas and uh, Trent Sherfield, I don't think. Let's talk about uh, K. Dotton instead. Yeah, <laughs> K. Dotton appears on this chart, so we're we're in business there with that. Uh, yeah, okay, let, let's uh, break down this chart quickly before we get into the exciting K. Dotton discussion. For tight ends, we're looking at utilization and efficiency here, starting with the tight ends that have more than 60% of routes run. So this chart here is pretty simple. We're just looking at the percent of team dropbacks and then uh, how many routes or what percentage of team dropbacks are these tight ends running a route? What percentage of the team dropbacks are they pass blocking? This gives us a view of the tight ends that have the biggest pass game roles on their offenses. On the bottom here, we also have targets per route run and average depth of target. So you can see uh, which waters or sorry, which tight ends are being used more like wide receivers, earning high amounts of targets, earning targets downfield versus the guys that are being used as sort of more dump off traditional tight ends that you know see low A dots and, and don't see many many targets. So that's the idea behind this chart. Drago, anywhere you wanted to start here um, before we get to to K Dalton. <laughs> um. The thing that struck me straight away is that uh, so George Kittle fourth in route share. I think I'll probably say this every week. Um, there's always the, the grumbling about the pass blocking, but still fourth in, in route share. As uh, probably would like to see higher uh, targets per run than 16%, uh, but I would expect to see that um, over a full season. And uh, so, like you said earlier, still buying a uh, George Kittle. Yeah, I'm just Martin Gale and George Kittle until uh, until I go bankrupt. That's been my fantasy strategy for the past couple of years. I don't I don't see any reason why uh, I should stop. Pick seventy three point four. I mean, easy game. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think another another thing to to jump in here, Tyler, the Tyler Higby thing is interesting. You see, twenty five percent targets for route run, so he's running, he's earning a ton of targets on his routes, but his eight odd is three point four. I kind of see this more than anything that a symptom um, that it's a symptom that the Rams offense is broken. If on you know nearly he's running nearly a full set of routes, so kind of close to a quarter, a fifth of the Rams uh, pass plays right now are three yard dump offs to to Tyler Higby. Um, that's not gonna work, and you've seen the Rams really struggle for the past couple of weeks. So I don't you know. As much as this sort of PPR cheat code for Tyler Higby, like you shouldn't be happy where you draft him at pick 160. I am not really interested in in taking him where his price has risen uh, up into pick 82 in the best ball resurrection because I think the Rams are going to figure something out. I don't know if it's Van Jefferson coming back. He gets more involved. I don't know if it's signing Odell or Will Fuller or something, but this offense is like systemically broken right now. And I don't, I don't see this Tyler Higby role really holding strong. Cause it's, it's just a, it's a dumb role. It's a dumb way to run your offense. So it's, um, it is funny. yeah, it's interesting though. It, it's, it's one of those things where uh, the people that who are the analysts who look for the cheap tight ends, one of the major, one of the main kind of routes that they use is to find the guy who's going to just be out there running every route and almost uh, get participation trophy points. And, I mean, Tyler Higby is that guy. Um, yeah, super sharp. If you draft him at pick 160 this offseason or whatever, like that, that's a sharp pick. But now I'm not, I'm not paying up for it anymore. Like, uh, yeah. Right. Um, it's one of it's one of those picks where you're uh, in in most scenarios you're probably fine taking them, um, like it's not gonna lose you. Uh, it's not gonna mean your team loses, but it's it it is really hard for me to see these like oh you come into the playoffs and Tyra Higby catches three touchdowns and and that wins you uh, that wins you a league or a tournament. It, it's I don't see him being the guy who does that. It, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but um, I, I think I, I just give me George Kittle. I, if you're giving me a choice between Kittle and Higby, it's it's very easily Kittle. Yeah, yeah, not even not even close for me either. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of these guys we've already hit on a lot. I think we do. Like it was a bit of a joke, but the Kate Otten thing we should talk about. Uh, Cam Braid was injured. To. Yeah, we have we have to. I'm legally obligated to talk about Kate Otten. It was in my stat chasing contract. Um, he he ran, a, I think, all the routes last week. Uh, I think there's only two games of data for him, which is why he appears here on this chart. But anyways, he ran all the routes with Cambrate having a concussion. I would again. This is a tight end premium managed league take, but. I would look for a cheap ad on the wire for Kate Otten. We saw Cam Brate in that role not really do anything, and Kate Otten didn't necessarily flash in a big way, but it could be a situation where next week Braid is still out, Otten's running all the routes, and he pops up for you know five catches and a touchdown, and I just want to make that ad one week early rather than one week too late if you're sort of desperate for tight end. Any, any tight end that's running all the routes should be – should be owned and especially if he's on 
uh, you know, connected to Tom Brady. He's he is worth a cheap add. Uh, any any other tight end takes before we get uh, into the backup, <laughs> the backup tight end takes? Um, any tight end takes? Um, I mean, the most obvious thing to me is that you really got you got your Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. It's not an original top, but uh, after you got your top guys, it really is a minefield. Um. Hayden Hurst yeah. been playing well. 15% targets per out run. Not terrible. Four yard A dot. Not great. Um and this is, I guess, it's it's a lot of players who are like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I guess it, it just kind of underlines why why you want the elite guys. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, they're they're separating in such a massive way, and that's why you take the stabs on the elite tight ends. Like you know, we missed at least it looks like so far we missed on Kittle, Pitts, and Waller in sort of the the next range of guys. I have some optimism that those guys will bounce back. Um, sort of different levels of optimism for each, but yeah, it's really Andrews and Kelsey, and then um, you know Cole Komet running all the routes uh, and getting eleven percent. Uh, target per route well, run. I, I think that uh, that's how tight end is, is similar to running back in that uh, they probably on on, a, on an aggregate basis they might go like it might feel terrible to picking one early because or it might pick feel terrible even picking Darren Waller as early as he went but it's really hard to predict who are the tight ends who, uh, who are the early tight ends who are going to really separate. Um, and last year, um, uh, Mark Andrews was going in that range and he was the guy who crushed. Um, yeah, but you just, I think you just want to be systematically overweight. The guys who could foreseeably have the kind of seasons that, uh, Andrews and Kelsey are having. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with that point. Like, I don't think it was a bad process pick to go with Waller, Pitts, or Kittle. You know, specifically on Waller, he had the injury. That's that's bad luck. He also had these he, – he's had a pretty massive red zone roll this year that hasn't been converted into touchdowns. A lot of touchdowns go through his hands or sort of big hits uh, in the end zone that have pried some balls free. So, you know, there's a world where – he doesn't get injured last week, has a big game and converts some of those touchdowns weeks one through four. And you're excited about the pick, but it hasn't worked out that way um, for whatever reason. Let, let's finish off here uh, with the most exciting chart here. The backup tight end. I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to let you. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I dropped out of the, um, of the stream last week uh, unintentionally, of course, to let, let, uh trick take us home but yeah now the, the only things i wanted to highlight here jesper horstead looks to be the waller replacement uh moreau was also injured last week so if he's active i would expect moreau over horstead but uh horstead ran a lot of the routes um with waller out and yeah Again, tight end premium take if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for a starter during the bye weeks. Uh, he probably is not a terrible add if both Moreau and Waller are out. 
Um, and then the other other one I want to mention, Peyton Hendershot looks like the handcuff to Schultz. I think he was scooped in a decent bit of leagues already. Um, but Schultz re-aggravated that injury. And I think Schultz is kind of a system tight end anyways. And if Peyton Hendershot starts getting all those Schultz routes, I think he is pretty interesting. Monitor the news on, on Schultz injury there, but that's another guy to watch. And uh, yeah, I, I can't force myself to come up with uh, like a Daniel Bellinger, or Tommy Tremble take. So it might be time to end the podcast. Yeah. Um, we brought this right up into the wire. Yeah. <laughs> Pete would be mad if we uh, if we forced uh, Club Top Shot to start late. So we are not going to do that. We're going to finish out. Yep. So, yeah, that, that'll do it this week. Uh, thanks for everyone who tuned in live. And, uh, yeah, I will be, for those of you in the Ship Chasing Discord, I will be posting the charts there this week. Uh, you can also check out my weekly thread on Twitter where, I post all these charts and give a breakdown uh, and a little bit more more detail, sort of the actionable takeaways that I see from the last couple weeks of data. Trico, anything to plug before we we wrap this up? And no, nothing, nothing uh, unusual. Same cool. as usual. Subscribe, so this, Keep watching. Uh, start chasing. Sounds good. All right, everybody. We will. See you next week. Good luck in week six. Bye.